Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast where we're going to hell and back again, friends. From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. We have to let you know we are in the final week. Now the official final week of our crowdfunding campaign for Journey to the Heart. We just announced Devin Hales is going to be starring in our show. So we know a lot of you Teenage Bounty Hunters fans have really come through for us the past week. So thank you for that. We really want to make one big push this last week. So if you can support, you can do that at bit.ly slash support journey to the heart. In the greater less universe, we have a couple things that we want to talk about. The first is the trailer for First Kill, which is the new Netflix show coming out soon. That is lesbian vampires dropped. And it, it's crazy. It's good. It it's, looks so good. It looks really good. Like, it looks I, great. of course... I'm always going to be partial to a lesbian drama no matter what. But like it actually looks really good. Like the chemistry between the two girls is good. I was watching the trailer and I was like, <gasps> like I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is really good. Well, you, and because they don't like shy away from it either. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's they're very like, clear that they're like, here's Romeo and Juliet, but it's vampires and they're both girls. Yeah. Like, like it's super gay. We get like lots of kisses between the two of them. It's like yeah. super. Their, their chemistry is intense. It's it's Twilight plus Buffy. Plus like, lesbians. And lesbians. Yeah. Sold. I, um, I also wait. I love because when you just watched the trailer, Ellie, and you were saying how you were like, oh, my God, and I love her mom, too. She was in this. And I just have to tell you, as somebody who was on Twitter the day that the trailer dropped, like how immediately the lesbians were like, I ship the moms. Yep. <laughs> like just immediately were, you know, they're like, oh, here, Netflix is like, here, have some lesbians. And then everyone was immediately just like, I ship those two. Yep. Oh, now, my God. Kiss. They're like, look, here's at, act- look at how close your faces are. Please kiss. OK, here's Great. actual lesbians. And then they're yeah. like, and there's more. Yes. Oh um, but not to give Netflix too much credit because yeah, I know. our next. On, well, also, to be fair, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about this kill, but do not fucking cancel it after Wednesday. They're going to cancel it. Do yeah. not. They're going to cancel it. Speaking of cancellations, <laughs> literally fucking everything has gotten canceled lately. So I, we just have to have like a brief moment of silence for the A, Red Wedding Day at the CW. Like, I, what? Huh. I don't know what is happening behind the scenes at the CW. It was fucking brutal in terms of cancellations for everything in the last like month or so. So they just announced their their second round of everything that they're canceling. And basically, I mean, just assume that like if it was a like women led or minority led or queer led 
show on the CW, it no longer exists because that's basically what happened. And similarly, Netflix just just let go like another hundred something people and all of them were people who were either like working on minority focused shows like just all diversity just really took a hit in the last like week or two it is rough going out there so a that sucks for all of us b that sucks for all of the people who were working on all of these shows and things and initiatives and whatever like what a mess so let's take a beat everyone like let's you know figure out how do we regroup and what's next because there are an awful lot of talented people out there who want to make like actual diverse cool stuff um so boo boo we also want to talk a little bit about heartstopper because that is one show on netflix that people are loving for its queer rep so I haven't watched it yet. I've heard it's super cute. I have not watched it either. So that's on me as well. But I have heard great things from people. Everyone says it's a really nice teen show about gay romance. So check it out. Make sure you're supporting that because we want to make sure that shows that are showing queer people in positive ways get renewed, even though Lord knows it might not. <laughs> wow. What a depressing. What a depressing. <laughs> Let's go back to the vampire lesbians. Please. Yeah, go back to the vampire lesbians. That's okay. what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode 19 of season five, and we are even more excited to be joined by a special guest for today's episode, which is called Gay is for Horses. And we have a special <laughs> guest here. We're excited to welcome Tiana Warner. Hello. Hey, Tiana. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here with us. We're so excited. I'm going to give all of our listeners a little bio on Tiana before we start. Tiana Warner is an LGBTQ plus author from British Columbia, Canada, best known for her critically acclaimed number one Amazon bestselling series, Mermaids of Ariana Kwai. Her forthcoming YA sapphic fantasy novel, The Valkyrie's Daughter, which we're talking about today, launches on July 26th with Entangled Teen. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. So... Tell our audience a little bit, but before we really dive in, give them the elevator pitch for the Valkyrie's daughter. What What is it about? Sure. So it takes place in the nine Norse worlds. Sigrid is a stable hand who wants more than anything to be a Valkyrie, who are warrior women on winged horses. But Valkyries are born with a winged mare as their bonded pair, and Sigrid is the only girl her age who was born with an ordinary plain horse. So she can't be a Valkyrie. She's doomed to be a stable hand. And then she sees a vision of herself leading a Valkyrie charge on Odin's eight-legged stallion. So she realizes that a greater destiny for herself is possible. So she makes an alliance with an enemy Valkyrie who agrees to help her get to Sleipnir, the eight-legged horse. And uh, the two of them happen to have a bit of chemistry. A Just bit. a little. Yes. Just a little. <laughs> We're here for that part in particular. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit. We were talking before we logged on about how I think this is the case. At least I am a mythology gay. Like, I feel like the gays love mythology. A lot of everyone loves mythology. Let's be real. But let's just dive in a little bit on the mythology of the Valkyrie's daughter and how you sort of tied that into a gay yeah, story um, within I that. Well, I think we all love a warrior woman. So... Mm-hmm. 
when I was gay energy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I was brainstorming ideas for like, what's the next book I'm going to write? The, my previous series, Mermaids of Ariana Kwai was also about warrior women. So I'm like, I want to do that again because I loved it so much. And I was kind of thinking like, okay, what do I want to write about? Uh, I love horses. I love my grandma's Icelandic. So I love Icelandic mythology. I'm like, Valkyries are the perfect thing for me to write about. Like there is a gay plot built into that. (laughs) It's like ready to go. So I was like, Valkyries are like, I was born to write this book. Yeah, that's where that came from. You know, these warrior women are like the fiercest women in the nine realms. So there's a lot there. Like I was just super excited to dive into that. Well, and it's so true because it's like every time you see any any of these, like, you know, I think Valkyries, anything with like Amazons, anything, you know, like anytime you watch, like everyone remembers going to see the first uh, when the first Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman yeah, yeah. came out, yeah. right? Or like, I even remember all the way back to like watching Xena as a kid and you're just like, come, you expect me to believe that these women, these like badass, powerful, like don't need no man women are all straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Highly unbelievable. Please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> well, also like Valkyrie from Thor. Yeah. Yes. Is like canonically, canonically bi. bisexual. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is n- of no surprise. I think there's also like there's some really interesting stuff too. Like it's it's very briefly talked about in the book but you had a point where one of the valkyries was born in a boy's body and you like you sort of talk about that could you talk a little bit about like why you chose to put that in and also that like the way that you wanted to talk about trans people and gay people in a way that was like fit in with the world like we're not talking about it in a way that like people are like oh that's different or wrong as we hear in other like types of stories do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I really wanted to write about a world where like different sexualities are just standard. It's not really my coming out experience was like, oh, I'm into women. And it was, there's kind of a barrier, like a mental barrier around that. And I wanted to write a world where there is, there isn't that, where you're just like, I like this person and it doesn't matter. Like you don't have that, oh, I'm gay or oh, I'm whatever. It's just like, I like this person for who they are. That was really cool to be able to write that. And there is evidence that the Vikings were a more like sexually liberal society than than we are. And <laughs> then the Puritans. Yeah. Hard to imagine, Surprise. Right? yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of that might've got filtered out because the people who recorded info about Vikings and like their religion were medieval Christian historians. Mm -hmm. So they might have filtered that out. Like we don't really know. And there's, you know, like Odin practiced sorcery and that's considered a feminine activity. And Loki is gender fluid. There's a lot of gods like that where they just like switch genders and it's not a big deal. It's just part of who they are. So it just makes me think, okay, Vikings were probably more of a liberal society than the one that we grew up in. And so it was a lot of fun to just put that into the world and explore like sexuality and gender roles that way. Well, and it's also, I mean, historians still do that now, right? I mean, we still, we see those things all the time where you get those posts of people being like, wow, this painting of two women naked in bed together, like 
historians believe they may have been best friends. And you're like, right, okay. (laughs) Okay, sure. So, like, yeah, I would 100% believe that, like, you know, ancient or, like, old-timey Christians came in and were just like, how do we, like, straight wash all over this and make it all, like, our moral understanding of the universe? But that's why I love, like, I have to say, especially, I feel like at this point now, with like in the world of 2022 that we live in and with the growth in representation that we have these days, you know, like I do believe there is nothing more boring than when people are like, I'm going to create like a whole new world and universe and whatever, where like everyone's still homophobic. Yeah. And you're like, why? <laughs> For what? Like to what end? <laughs> why? Like there we all live no in this need. world. There's no there's no need for that, right? I mean like that's we did the same thing, Ellie, with with like planning Journey to the Heart, right? Like we're working on a podcast musical right now and the whole universe is set in like this kind of piratey world where like everyone has like soulmate tattoos and you're like why would you have soulmate tattoos that have heteronormativity baked in like there's no yes what would <laughs> like, be the point we, it's like especially you get a soul- when it's a world you're creating yourself right, right? it's exactly. not like yeah but what you're i like i can imagine anything i want but like i'm gonna make sure that like people still hate gay people what yeah why, <laughs> why? <laughs> i do really love though that you're saying like you also like are actually staying true to the mythology. Like, I also, it makes me feel good to know that the mythology was not homophobic either, right? It's like, okay, great. <laughs> like, like even in the book, um, like when you talk about Loki's, can, you, can we talk a little bit more about Loki's gender fluidity? Because I just find it like fascinating. But in the book, there's like a point where Sigrid's talking about Loki birthing a horse, right? And so it's like, you have this, mythological character who has all kinds of gendered roles that so do they use he and she pronouns for loki in the mythology i i believe that loki is mostly a he but it the thing is it also blends with like the different adaptations like marvel has really taken over that so it's hard to separate that sometimes like what was the original mythology and what is pop culture mm-hmm. but So there is like a Lady Loki, but I'm not actually sure. I think that's just a comic book thing. But in the original one, like in the original myths, Loki did transform into a female horse at one point and was impregnated when he was a female horse and gave birth. (laughs) So it's like that is that did happen in the original mythology. Sounds gay. I'm it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, What were some (laughs) other things that you because you did a lot of research on the mythology to write the book. Yeah. What were some of the other things that you found specifically in your research that were the most interesting to you? What I found the most interesting actually is that we don't know a whole lot about the mythology at all. Like there's such a limited collection. It's like there's one set of poems that survived from the Viking age. And that's how, like, that's where we got everything from. So it's called the Poetic Edda. There's also the Prose Edda, which is the longer adaptation of those original poems. But that was written by an Icelandic historian who was Christian. So it's possible that he got some things wrong or interpreted some things wrong. Like he did a great job of adapting that, but we can't, we have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. So I found that interesting that everything is an interpretation. And like even the fact that Valkyries are women who ride winged horses like that was 
an interpretation as well. Like we don't know. So I, you just, you're free to make more adaptations as a writer who's basic. So I was like, yeah, if, you know, even, even the prose Edda was adapted from the original poems, like I can make my own adaptations. The Ratatosk, who is, he ferries people between all the Norse worlds. He's a squirrel in the original poem. So I'm like, I'm going to make him a person because <laughs> like, you know, it fits with my story. So that yeah. was kind of freeing to be able yeah. to do that. Well, and that's, what's great about doing like, it's the thing I always find funny now when the way that fan fiction has sort of become in terms of how it's viewed, you know, by sort of like the mainstream world where they're like, oh, fan fiction. And you're like, literally anything from like, you know, like what the 1800s back, it's all fan fiction. I'm like, they had three stories. Everyone took turns writing their own version of them. <laughs> right. And like, that's what you would get is you're like, oh, here's, you know, here's some poem. And then some dude was like, I know I'm going to take that poem and write a story based on it, right? And that's how you end up with just like the the endless retellings that exist throughout like all historic literature. You're like, yeah, we, there's a word for that. It's fan fiction. It's called fan fiction. My friends. <laughs> yes. That's what it all is. And that's what we all get to do now. Like that's, you know, at its core, it's like, yeah, that's that's what you get. You get this. You get the ability to say like, oh, it's set in this mythology, but in my version of this mythology, in my interpretation of it, this is how I want the world to work. This is how I want these characters to be, you know? And that's what's fun. <laughs> that's what's fun about writing and about creating in a general sense is like getting to use building blocks to tell a new story, to tell the story that you want to tell, right? That's what's so fun about writing stories based on mythology, any sort of mythology, is that you have these awesome building blocks that have been around since the dawn of humanity, and you get to expand on that into your own story. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so much fun to be able to do that. Like, the same thing with my mermaid story. I was like, okay, mermaids use their beauty to lure sailors to their deaths. So given that, what can I write based on that legend? And it's, yeah, it's really cool as an author to be able to do that. Yeah, I love that. And also I feel like mermaids are are very much gay culture as well. <laughs> yes. Luring men to their Luring death men sounds their gay. Death, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so bad. But I, I do want to talk a little bit like as we're talking about, you know, creating your own world. So you created this new story through this mythology, right? And I want to talk a little bit about why did you choose, because I do think it sort of has gay themes, to write a story about Sigrid, right, who's our main character who was born different than other people, but like felt like she had this destiny to fulfill, right? Like, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate pretty heavily to Sigrid, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it it comes down to being an underdog story in a sense that like everyone else is doing this thing. They're all born with the destiny to become a Valkyrie. And the main character was not born like everybody else. And so she's, she's in fact, just a stable hand. She's like, her job is literally to shine their boots and clean up the poop from their horses. So, but she knows, like she feels in her soul that she can be more. And I think we can all relate to that a little bit. Like, what is my purpose? Like, what else is out there for me? And so in a fantasy world, it becomes really exciting because 
you know, it, there's nine worlds, there's all these mythological creatures, like she can cross the worlds in search of her destiny. For me, that's what's so fun about writing fantasy is that you have a very real relatable struggle, like who am I? What is my purpose? Is there more out there for me? And you put it on a really epic backdrop involving like an eight-legged stallion and winged horses and sea serpents and stuff like that. So I hope people can can relate to that. I think they will. There's something that I just love about how, I mean, listen, how gay Sigrid is it just in general, right? Like <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a little bit about like, the gay panic and stuff in a bit, but I love that part. There's something that I love about having a world in which your gay character is somehow still othered, but not because they're gay, but in ways that I think are going to feel relatable still, right? Like that sense of Sigrid constantly feeling like I am different and I don't fit in and I feel like there is something more for me that I just don't really know what it is yet. And also I'm super into this girl, but like also why am I just not like the other people? Like there's just something that I love about that, right? Because it it is something that I think is deeply relatable still, like that sense of otherness, Right. And that I do think that is immediately like a touch point for queer people when you're reading like a story like this and you're reading a character like Sigrid where you're like, I relate to that, even if it's not because you're gay right now. But like, but also I relate to it anyways, you know, like and also I relate to you being gay. And yeah, I mean, it's like there is that sense of the the just underdog protagonist. Sure. But like, I think that sense is always something that like queer people feel drawn to you know, and I just, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the the metaphorical journey of self-discovery, like the coming of age story. Um, it's very pure. And yeah, I love it. I love writing it. I love reading it. Yeah. Let, let's actually talk a little bit about, because actually when you first reached out about the book, one of the things that we were talking about discussing was writing YA fiction for queer audiences, right? Like, I think it also is important to to talk about the fact that Sigrid is 16 years old, right? Like, this is a coming-of-age story, a queer coming-of-age story. Like, why is it important for you personally to write those stories? Yeah, I think thinking back to my experience as a teenager and, like, into my 20s, it was so important for me to see that representation. Like, it was critical when I saw, like, Klexa and Way Hot and, like, when I saw Orange is the New Black. And mm -hmm. there's a Canadian TV show called Rookie Blue where there was Gail and Holly were two yeah. characters on. So those were, like, pivotal for me and so important. And so as a writer, I'm like, this is my chance to offer that to somebody is, like, seeing that on the page and reading a story like that. Yeah, it's just, it's very important for me to write queer fiction, like, and offer that representation to readers. Um, and then also, like, within the story, it's very fun to dive into the feelings you had as a teenager and, <laughs> like, having a crush on somebody and realizing that it's a crush and, like, those fluttery feelings and going back to that, like, even though I'm old now, well, not, you know, I'm older than, than <laughs> Sigrid, like I'm not 16 anymore, but going back and writing that down and like, okay, what did it feel like to like realize you've got a crush on somebody and being super awkward about it and like wanting them to like you and wanting to make them laugh. And like, I love being able to write that. And like, when I read YA books, I love feeling that all over again too. I mean, I think what you're saying is exactly right. It's so important, especially in this like type of 
literature, like in these types of books, in YA books, it's so important because it is, it's so much, again, it's growing. I think the representation is getting better, but like, I mean, we're all like living in this world right now where we're having to like suffer this onslaught of, you know, oh, it's inappropriate. You're groomers, you're this and that. And it's like, there are gay kids out there who need these books, who need a book like this, who need, because the same way, you know, listen, even even Sigrid, who's growing up in a world where like homophobia, homophobia isn't super a thing, but she's been surrounded by like shitty bitchy girls her whole life and has not really had the realization of like, oh, wow, I'm definitely into girls until she meets a nice one. And then she's like, why are all these feelings? Why is my why am I sweating? What's happening? Why can't I stop thinking about kissing her? I don't understand. We know why. Um, we know <laughs> why. But it is. But it but other teenagers like other, you know, that that age group, they might still not know why. And you're like, yeah, you need this. You need to see. You need to see characters like this thinking, reading through it, being like, that's why, that's why, sweetie, it's because of this. And that's, you know, you need that. And I love (laughs) that. It's so important. Yeah, that connection with readers too. Like just to be able to kind of through through the story, be like, I know what you're going through. I've been there and I'm with you. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I, I agree. There's something that is always like deeply fun and also like, just there's something about having to put yourself back in that mentality of being 16 years old and being like I'm holding her hand what's happening to me (laughs) where you're like I hate this and love it because we all remember being there you know like we all (laughs) we can all think back or experiencing your own form of gay puberty Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm I like, mean, the gay, you the don't gay have panic to be, whenever it happened to you. Yeah. You don't have to be 16 to have these feelings. Oh, also. no. I was like 23. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, they also happen a bit later, too, if you haven't figured it out yet. So I think a lot of people can relate to the gay panic aspects. I have, I have just a personal question, just because it, as we're talking about gay panic. When was like the first moment that you had a gay panic moment? <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. Or anything, if you right? feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say because like if I think back. So, okay. the Yeah. Consciously or unconsciously. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> both. Let's do both. Okay. So like maybe consciously was that show Rookie Blue. Like when I saw Gail and Holly kiss, I was like, okay, like cool. Like that was just kind of the moment that I acknowledged that like, that's really hot and I want to do that. So (laughs) that that was, that was a moment. And that was like in my early twenties, but like before that I can totally see like in high school, in hindsight, I totally had a crush on this girl. It was definitely a crush. And I got so blushy around her, like beat red blushy. And I always like, was like trying to like catch her eye and stuff. And at the time, it took me until I was in my 20s to look back and be like, wow, that was a crush. At the time, I was just like, oh, she's really cool. Like, I just, and so it was subconscious all through my teenage years. Even like as a kid, I really, I watched the Power Rangers. I really liked the pink Power Ranger. (laughs) Miss Congeniality, when Miss Congeniality walks out of that warehouse, I was like, okay, that. We we all had a strong (laughs) response to that scene. Come on. But yeah, it's like, I didn't, I didn't put that together until I was in my twenties. And that's why it's, it's so great writing a story where like all sexualities are just standard because there is no moment of that realization of like, oh, I'm into women. Like you just realize you have a crush. 
And mm-hmm. it, I think it would be a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier on me if, you know, it was just accepted. We didn't know gay people when I was growing up. There was like one. Yeah. So that's, I think, why it took me so Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Long. Well, and like crushes on their own are still confusing, right? I mean, like, that's why when you're watching Sigrid go through this whole thing where she's like, why am I so upset that... Miriam's talking to anyone else. Like, why am I so upset that someone else is tying her bandage? And you're like, oh, I know, sweetheart. I we know, know why. Wait, Lee, what was your first moment of gay panic? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, I think same thing, consciously or unconsciously, because I'm going to say consciously it was for sure. <laughs> I, I can't remember <laughs> if we talked about this on the podcast already or not, Ellie, but I have like the most vivid recollection of I came out in high school, Tiana, and I had like a huge crush on like one of my best friends and we were in theater together and I just have like the most vivid recollection of like we were at like rehearsal one night or like waiting around before rehearsal or something. We were sitting on a couch on the stage. This is like the most like theater gay kid story, right? Sitting on a couch on the stage with like a bunch of us, but like I was kind of like scooched in right next to her and like leaning my head over on her shoulder. And she was like playing, just like, you know, absentmindedly like playing with my hair, whatever, and singing Fiona Apple. And I was like, why am I feeling things I don't understand? (laughs) Like, what is happening in my body right now? So that I'm going to say is my first conscious one. Unconsciously, I think I had many strong feelings about Gabrielle and Xena when I was a kid that I just didn't know what to make of them, you know? Didn't quite understand them. What about you, Ellie? I also don't know if I've told any of these stories, but (laughs) I also came out in my early 20s but had a lot of high school gay panic moments. This one in particular stands out and honestly is definitely not the first but just sort of cracks me up thinking back on it. After prom, which I went to prom with a girl as friends. Yeah, we're like just, you do when you're straight. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. We're good friends. Good friends. Yeah, yeah. And we like had this party afterwards and it was at my grandparents' house on the Cape. So like we slept over and we were sleeping in the same bed. And <laughs> such a straight story. Such I'm a, into it. Such a straight story. <laughs> And towards the end of the night, right before we're going to bed, she was like, good night. (laughs) And she went to kiss me on the forehead, which, first of all, why are you trying to kiss me on the forehead? Already is gay, right? (laughs) And we accidentally kissed on the lips. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember being like, 
like so like we both were like oh, oh I'm sorry I'm so sorry like oh ours right. like a minute and a half later when my heart started beating again yeah like roll over and then like we're like good night like it was like it was so painful and you came out how many years after that Ellie That's too many years uh oh my god four years after that <laughs> Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I still remember that. And I, like, I I also, like, have n- we never mentioned it after. Like, a part of me wants to be, like, do you remember that moment just as much as I do? But probably not. Actually, maybe she does. We'll see. Sorry. That's, that's for another time. But that's super cute. It was. <laughs> I'm blushing right now thinking about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, because I totally had the biggest crush on her. Like, we went to prom together. So that was that was wild. But let's get back. Let's get back to the book. Ellie's like, how do I segue us out of this? I'm sweating. Why am I I sweating? (laughs) I'm literally so much gay panic right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry. But that's why it's so relatable. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I find Sigrid so relatable because she's she's gay panicking. She just doesn't quite know it. And it's like it's different, I think, than when we gay panic, you know, because there's not like that underlying like, is this a thing? Am I allowed to feel this way? You know, but she's still going through the same roller coaster of uh, of hormones and emotions and adrenaline. I also love I also love too like in the book that like I don't know how much we are gonna spoil for the listeners. I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm trying not to. We're trying. I will just talk about towards the beginning. So that like even when like this is a very classic like enemies to lovers trope that we've got going on, which Lee and I are big fans of. Oh my god! So even at the beginning, when Sigrid's literally like, "I need to fight this girl off," she like freezes in her tracks because she's basically like oh need to throw my spear but this girl's pretty can i can i tell you in my head that scene i know okay i know this is just me deciding that this is the funniest way to picture it in my head and i don't know why i can't stop doing it no matter how much i try to tell myself like this is not what's happening in my head in that scene they're like six feet apart from each other and they're just like both kind of like throwing their spears off deliberately like nowhere <laughs> near each other just, be- just being like I'm attacking you Oops, wait over here I'm- oh no I- why is my aim so bad because they're just both so into each other because even in that scene right I mean Sigrid is thinking so clearly through being like in the middle of attacking this girl she's like wow her eyes Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love like in in any fight scene where people are like physically fighting each other, but there's chemistry. It's like there's that moment where they like one of them pins the other one down. It's like, oh, yes. no. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And they're both just like completely paralyzed. Yeah. By, oh, no, like, we're holding yeah. hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I love, I'm such trash for it. Like, I just love it so much because I feel like it's the same. I think it's the same reason that, like, listen, not to harp on Killing Eve since I know we've all been hurt a lot lately. But, like, think about, like, the early seasons of Killing Eve, right? 
where like you felt that same way where every time that they had the, a confrontation scene of any kind and they're both kind of way too into it and they're like oh no she got away right it's like it's that it's that same thing where it's like oh no my spear missed again I better call it back to me and throw it 90 degrees away from you like just <laughs> why <laughs> why is this happening again and again and I I mean you're right Ellie I am trash for an enemies to lovers it's just Enemies to Lovers is so good. It's my favorite trope, I think, because in real life, you're not going to fall in love with someone you hate. Like, it's just, (laughs) but on the page, it's so much chemistry and it's wonderful. And because it's so, it's such an easy trope. I feel like in that way where sometimes what's hard, because I mean, we've run into this too, as like getting into the content creation realm where like we are are basically just constantly writing rom-coms, right? And rom-coms are hard because you want to have a conflict that is believable, right? Like, you can't write a story that is just, here are these two girls. They like each other. Now they're in love. Bye. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have a to have a conflict. Roller coaster. And, and Enemies to Lovers is such good fodder for, like, a conflict, angsty, pining story because it is, you can give them here, you know, you each have your own story and your own perspective that you're coming in with and you're butting heads, but there's that simmering chemistry and that tension and you're fighting, but also why can't I let somebody hurt them and why can't I do this and why can't I be away from them and why is someone else being nice to them? Wait a minute. That's just, that's so good. Yeah. That and like opposite personalities, like even if they're not total enemies, but if their personalities are the opposite and they have to work together, I love that too. So it goes back to like when Harry met Sally. Like I think that's kind of a pure- original version of that it's just it's so good i even think about like you've got mail like that kind of like where you like you don't know they're your enemy and then you're like oh but um i was just thinking about that because you're like you don't i'm like what would be an actual obviously this is not like realistic right like we're in a different worlds right Mm -hmm. but like what would be a real life scenario where you could go from enemies to lovers like actually do you know what i mean like i yeah i i'm, I'm I mean, also we did write as, one in the flame ellie come on it is a vi- i know it, it is like realistic ish but i'm just saying like i i want to know this is a question to the listeners too i need to know if anyone is involved in a true enemies to lovers like real here's, life here's do you what, what i mean say, like i need to here's know what i'm gonna say knowing gays is my this is what i would bet is the most common real life enemies to lovers scenario is like playing on team sports teams that's what i thought you were gonna say you're like yeah like opposing right? that is yeah. tr- that is real because there are people who are playing we we like talked about this before in the olympics like the canadian and the u.s hockey team there were literal people who were married to yeah, each they're other like on all married opposite to each other. teams yeah that's, it's like yeah. every time every time you do Olympic soccer, it's the same story, right? It's just like they're all married to each other. That's like Romeo and Juliet there. That's wonderful. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, or, less death, hopefully, but you know. I think there is, there are like some real life relationships, even one that I can think of like, you know, in, in real life where uh, they didn't like each other when they first met. I think that that can happen where you think, oh, they're really snobby or they're really like, unlikable and then all of a sudden you're like well I actually kind of like them I think that's cute yeah I think too like there's a very human element to it of like that it's that like pride and prejudice type type trope too of like 
oh, they're not exactly what I thought they were when we first met. And I think everyone can relate to like meeting someone and like thinking something and then getting to know them and being like, oh, I actually really maybe even enjoy that thing I didn't like about them when we first met. Even for friends, too, like where you're just like, oh, I first met you and you read me the wrong way. But then I met you a second time and was like, "Okay, I get it. Like, I like that. Giving people like a chance to be a full human being instead of just like the first impression that you get of them. (laughs) Yes. I'm garbage for it. Give it give it all to me. I know. Right. I really am. Just all of it, especially when you have, I mean, listen, I'm also a sucker for like the, like, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm, I'm a sucker for like the, there's only one bed. Like, I just, I love it. (laughs) I'm, that's my favorite. Yeah. I guess I have a question for you, Tiana, which is like, what are, besides like including enemies to lovers, I guess, but like, what are some of your favorite tropes that you like to use in your writing? Because you've also written a lot of short stories too. Like you've explored a bunch of different stuff. I, it's hard to pick a favorite one that I like to use because I try not to use the same ones too many times or like multiple times, except, well, I've got two series now based on enemies to lovers, but. You can write <laughs> all the enemies to lovers your yeah. heart desires. It can be the most <laughs> nuanced of the tropes though. Like I yeah. do feel like there's more options in it. I do like only one bed. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> writing a story right now that involves that and it's, I love it. <laughs> I also like a forced proximity. I've got. Mm that in a story like oh no we're in a really tiny space together and we're like touching and this is (laughs) the the uh (laughs) share a t-shirt approach to you know getting your couple together in a book yeah Yeah. i know i realized i realized that i was in an only one bed trope in the story that i told earlier (laughs) there's only one bed and we accidentally kissed what's happening Oh my! What are Ellie? The- we're ne- our next rom com is just going to be based on your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just that one night. I love. I do love. In terms of coming of age, I do love like a good high school coming of age. You know Everyone where you does. get. Come yeah. on, because you can make your characters such like it's like, like only one day, right? Like it's morons. the most important day of their yeah. lives. Like it just cracks me up that it's like this one day is like two hours worth of crazy but you content. feel everything so strongly when you're 17 okay you just do it's reality. even if you're 17 and a valkyrie yes you feel it yes <laughs> and she's a moron for a pretty girl we all are listen lee what are your favorite tropes you love enemies to lovers what i else? do love enemies to lovers i also i am a real big fan of your faking a relationship you know it's like oh i have oh, to yeah, bring someone my family it. doesn't think i can land anyone so um what's the uh what was the christmas one that i'm thinking of ellie what's the single the, all the way single all the way <laughs> like i love that shit where it's like my family doesn't think i can have a relationship so come and pretend to be my boyfriend and whatever and then you're like but I'm why am I actually jealous? Yes, I love it. Give me yeah. that all day too. I love it. I love that. I'm a f- I'm a fan of I don't know what this is called. I'm gonna just call it like the undercover. But like the like how to lose a guy in ten days, like where they're like mm. pretending to be someone else, but really it was true all along. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or so yeah, good. like a, a she's all that kind of. But then I'm like, all these tropes, it's like really like you said, it's like Okay, so you fell in love with somebody who's been lying to you for for three months. Yeah, no. They're all so <laughs> bad as like a real way to like oh, start fell, a relationship. Yeah, you fell in love with someone that you completely hate. Oh, cool. 
Yeah. You fell in well, love with someone that you murdered someone they love. Like, oh, awesome. <laughs> that's like, that's like, have you, um, have either of you watched, what's it called? It's the, the movie that Eliza Schlesinger did, the comedian, and it's called Good on Paper. Um, my wife oh, and I, I want to see just it. watched it. Is it good? It's, it is really good. It's very fun, but it's basically all about her being like real life catfish, yeah. catfished by a dude who like lies about everything about himself to like start dating her like for a long time and like and Kelsey and I were watching it and you just watch it the whole time and you're like what is the plan like what is the long game here what is the where do you see this going like I don't understand it was like you know you're watching these things where you're like sometimes the tropes if you like really put them into practical real life stories you're like wait a Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does this work so well? Is this the foundation actually? of a healthy relationship? Like, right, <laughs> no. exactly. But I mean, you know, listen, tropes got a trope. We love what we love. Um, you love, but you should you watch love. the movie. It was very funny. <laughs> I do want to watch it. You love, who you love. <laughs> love is love. Um, let's talk a little bit. We, I know, like we have derailed, but I actually really love that. <laughs> love where we went with that. De- We're doing great with that detour. I want to talk, bringing us back to the book a little bit, a little bit about found family in the book, because that I is that a, is that a trope or is that just like it's just one of my favorite things about gay life? You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you wrote that into the story as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really important is the sense that like just because someone's your blood relative doesn't mean that you they are you don't need to count them as your family or if someone's not your blood relative, they can be your family. Like you can choose, you can choose who you want to be your family. And Sigrid really has that with the stable hands, like her brothers. Um, and yeah, this team that, you know, the the ragtag team, she really finds a sense of family in that. And I think that is, it is important and relatable. And I like to read stories like that where you, you know, you can feel a connection to the character in that sense of like, yeah, my friends are my family and I love them more than anything. Yeah. So I, you know, I hope people connect to that. Yeah. That's another one of my favorite, well, found family, but also like friends to lovers also. Yeah. Like I love my friends so, I love my friends so much. I actually think I'm in love with them. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) But you also, you are trash for found family story, Ellie. Oh, I know. I love it so much. Cause I also like, I love my I love my blood family. My blood family. <laughs> sounds like so that sounds yeah, it sounds a little yeah, it sounds ominous. Really ominous. But um <laughs> I love my family that I was born into. But I also have a really like nice group of found family around me mm-hmm. as well. So I always get like a little bit emotional about those those things. It's yeah. very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a trope or, or a theme or what that is, but I love it yeah. too. Yeah. So it's heartwarming. Exactly. Especially like for, I feel lucky that I have both, but I also think like for a lot of queer people, there's like, they don't have that support from their family. So like having a lot of stories around them where it's like, hey, that's okay. You get to choose. I think just like really is can be very helpful. Is there anything else that you want to talk about the book with us before we go into our Q&A? Anything else you want our listeners to know about the book or also your work? I will say I I have a few stories coming out this summer um, because 
publishing has been a mess with paper shortages. All of my books are coming out like in the same summer, which is really mm. cool. So I would like to invite people to check out my website for other stories. I have a, a lesbian uh, romance for an adult audience. This is my first adult sapphic book. Oh. It's an age gap celebrity romance, and that's coming out July 6th. And uh, I have a sapphic uh, paranormal romance that's part of a box set. And that one's coming out in August. So I've got a few things happening, um, which is very, very exciting. Cool. Yeah. That is so exciting. All right, let's do it. I'm ready to jump into our Q&A. Are you ready, Lee? I am so ready. Q, 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 and, 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 Question number one. What mythological figure would you rather be? A, Valkyrie, B, Elf, C, Amazon, or D, Mermaid? Valkyrie. It's a good yeah. answer. Speaking of being a Valkyrie, what kind of horse would you rather ride out of A, a Pegasus, B, a unicorn, or C, just a regular horse? Oh, a Pegasus. Then yeah. you could fly. That'd be so cool. Those wings really change it all. <laughs> Except if you fell off, like, that'd be it. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. I'd want a little bit more, like, security <laughs> measures than they ever <laughs> seem to have. I'm like, not even a rope, nothing, just... Holding on by yep. sheer force of will. Cool. You you fall and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also this is bringing some memories back. I I did not realize that unicorns cannot fly. I, We've had this discussion. I know. Where did we just have this discussion? We had it another time, so I won't do it again. But I really did not know unicorns could not fly until very recently. So <laughs> I I don't know what I thought. I know they don't have wings. I literally thought they flew on like magic pixie dust. I don't know. I but, mean, why not? But it's okay. <laughs> they they're not super scientifically studied yet ellie so i think anything goes <laughs> i mean right. if the horn is magic maybe they could i don't know yeah. i don't yeah. know what that magic does i hope so <laughs> <laughs> all right question number three have you had gay panic when meeting a cute girl yes or no yes <laughs> i think we're all we've i always. am dying I am dying to see if anyone says no when we put that up on Twitter. Lies. 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 You're lying to yourself. Lies. Question four. What is your favorite mythology out of the following? A, Greek. B, Norse. C, Japanese. Or D, Egyptian. Norse. Nice. Anyone been watching that new show, Moon Knight? On Disney Plus? I have not. Mm -mm. Is it good? It's really interesting. And it's... Uh, it's a lot based on Egyptian mythology. Ooh. So if you're interested, it's really it's a cool. new Marvel, but like the character has been around for a while, but he's based on Egyptian mythology. It's it was I think it's really cool. <laughs> All right. Question number five. What is your favorite trope? A, enemies to lovers, B, fake dating, C, friends to lovers, or D, forbidden love? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> yes, valid yeah, yeah, answer. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> and you probably have every single one of those in one of your stories at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Remember, for all of you out there, you can give us your own answers to this episode's Q&A questions on our Twitter at leshangoutpod. For our listeners, Tiana, where can they find you on social media or your website so they can read your books? Yeah, my website is tianawarner.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, everywhere at Tiana Warner. T-I-A-N-A. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and for writing all kinds of gay things for us to consume. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was so fun. Let me hear you say hip, 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 hip. 
we love hearing from all of you. We love continuing to build this community. So we just like to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. And listen, we are getting close to the end of our Indiegogo, but we do still want to take a minute to shout out some of the people who have donated in the last week. So we want to say thank you to AJ, Rose, Stoika, Christopher, Stein, Kara, Leah, Haley, Kat, Naomi, Sabrina, David, Cindy, Levi, Kyle, Robin, Kelsey, and Kat. Thank you all so much for your support. We have one more week for you to get your dollar beanies or your signed prints or just to help support us. Even if you do it at the minimum level, it is a huge deal to us. So thank you so much. We also, I we've been doing a lot of thanking all the Indiegogo contributors and everyone. And so, you know, we're falling a little behind on like some of the other messages that we've gotten. So we do also want to shout out some of the people who have been reaching out because, you know, we just love hearing from all of you. It makes us real happy. It puts a little gay smile on our little gay faces. <laughs> um, and so we just want to give a slightly belated but no less heartfelt thank you to Smars who reached out and DM'd us on Instagram to say that they found the podcast, how much they've enjoyed listening to it. And how it makes them feel less alone in like all of their gayness and all these little gay jokes and gay things that we talk about. And it's just like sometimes when we get messages like that, like that is it's exactly why we started the podcast and like that's what we wanted it to be. And it just makes us real happy inside. Um, And so we just wanted to shout that out. That's all. And as always, I want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster. Jess Klaus, Tanya Ferguson, Jacqueline Rose Nishino, Saren Julia, Danny Gunlock Tamora, Brittany Ray, Alana Rosen, Lizette Stye, Stacy, Aidy Benitez, Fiona W, Whitney Lennon, and Jennifer Trujillo. And our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Hendley, Liz Chen, Julia Gonzalez, and Ashley White. Thank you all so much for your continued support year round. You are what makes this podcast possible. So thank you. Remember, you can find us on all social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Let's Hang Out Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com or our Dollar Bean Productions website at dollarbeanproductions.com. Whatever app you use for podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. And make sure that you've listened to all the episodes of The Flame. They are all available, and you'll want to make sure that you've listened to our first show before our second one comes out. We're also posting little video clips on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash lessangapod to catch them. If you want to help support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to go on the Apple Podcasts app, leave us a rating and a review. It helps new people find the show. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. You can join us for our Les Essentials watch parties, our Discord chat, you get ad-free episodes and downloads of our Less Central songs. If you want to help support us primarily making our musicals, you can do that at bit.ly slash dollarbeanpatreon. It is specifically going to help us with both getting the flame up on stage in New York and making our next show, Journey to the Heart, and you will get all sorts of cool extras, especially for our next show, where you might have seen we posted that certain things, certain tracks of the show, certain songs are only going to exist depending on how people vote. It is an interactive podcast, but if you want to get access to everything, you'll want to make sure you're on our Patreon. If you want some Less Hangout merch, it's the perfect time to get your pride gear at bit.ly slash shop. Lee just put up a new design on our website this week that is so freaking cute. I'm going to get one for myself. It's a little gay ice cream cone and it's perfect for the summer. So you can get that at bit.ly slash shop. If you want to follow us individually, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. 
And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Brigida. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.